Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. He's Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness guru. This is episode 15. We are recording in the morning, so uh, Greg, you have ice water and I have coffee. Yeah, do we need to rethink this and do mimosas and Bloody Marys, or would that be going too far? I don't know. Maybe for like an anniversary episode. This is 15. We get to 20. So I'm off this week, though, for Thanksgiving week, so... Oh, so you could you could do this. I know you're going to Houston a bit. Yeah, I'm going to Houston this afternoon for, like, two trips to Texas in a week, two separate trips with a home game in between. The NBA schedule is, is absolutely crazy, but... So Jack Daniels might be it, then, for you, for going to Texas, right? Is that what they would uh, drink? Mm, Shinerbach beer, okay. probably. Right. Yeah, or Lone Star or, or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, Houston is... It, it's not one of my favorite stops, and we're staying right downtown... Like in the financial district, and there's not a whole lot there, but there is a place called Pyramid Grocery that is their version of Whole Foods or Fresh Market or something like that. Oh, cool. And they've got they've got a deli. They have a very nice wine section. If I had a little bit more time, you know, I'm not going to buy a bottle of wine and drink it in one night. I'm not that guy. So I, I go there for Rice University, one mm-hmm. of the teams that I work with. I love Rice Village, mm-hmm. and the medical district is pretty nice near there too. But the rest of Houston, you can you can take. Yeah, not not one of my. I, I much prefer San Antonio. In any event, this is episode fifteen. We have passed six hundred downloads, so we thank each and every one of you who have uh, stuck with us and listened and uh, sent some nice words and some nice reviews to us. We do appreciate that. Uh, Pre-Thanksgiving edition. What's going on in the world? I've got a lot of stuff. I've actually have not one but two recommendations. Which makes up for the fact that I have one grievance, but it is a rather large grievance. Uh, you'll share our mindful moment and uh, tell us what's what's going next. Uh, as far as what's going on currently, uh, you, yeah. should, you said that you have the week off. You got anything else going on? Yeah, actually, I'm going to go play Top Golf after this. How close is that to the Pranica World Galactic Studios? I think it's only about three or four miles. Okay. It's not far. Have a little time to kill. Dodge some bullets, hit some golf balls. <laughs> you had to go there. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun. I'm meeting two of my workmates Drew and Stuart, we had our usual Friday beers after work on Friday, and we just started uh, BSing. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of photos to embarrass me mm-hmm. with my lack of golf game that'll live in infamy. I know, but that, that's why Top Golf is so popular. I still can't hit a golf ball. I was a <laughs> soccer player and a runner. My hand-eye coordination is non-existent. You're, yeah. You think I'll be okay? I, you, you'll have fun with it. You just just laugh about it. The, the the terrible irony about this back problem I have is just before it hit, I just ordered a new set of, of irons, and so they're sitting in the garage in the box, and I have no idea when I'm going to be using them next. Uh, so for those of you who are concerned about my back, all one or two of you, um, had a second nerve block yesterday and uh so i feel really good this morning now the question is will i feel really good in in a week or two that's uh that's kind of the thing right now so keeping my fingers crossed for a good health there uh grizzlies news obviously grizzlies come from 19 down um on saturday night in san antonio to win in san antonio 11 straight wins over the spurs that's a, a phrase i never thought i would ever say and then uh, played Boston really, really tough on Sunday night. It was one of the best, most exciting games that we've seen all season. And when you consider that Boston has the league's best record, or did at the time, they're 11 and three. They lost last night in Charlotte, uh, and the Grizzlies played them toe to toe and actually had a shot to win at the very end. So that's the good news. The bad news is Luke Kennard's out for a couple more weeks. Xavier Tillman is now week to week. So uh, the bodies are getting really, really short for the Grizzlies. But Taylor Jenkins has done. And his players are telling, telling us this, that he's just done an amazing job 
keeping keeping guys with with their eyes focused forward and you know despite the record not uh, not down on themselves does and, management look at from that perspective as far as yes. Taylor's job yeah yeah I yeah I've, I've had conversations with management and they are lauding the job that Taylor Jenkins is doing because I mean it's just a ridiculously short deck when you think that the Grizzlies had all three of their two-way players between the Memphis Hustle and the Memphis Grizzlies all three of them were active and wow. two of them played rotational minutes against the Boston Celtics, who had zero injuries. Yeah. And the Grizzlies lost by one. What's the record? Uh, I have to double-check it. I think it is 3-11 right now because it's early in the morning, and sometimes, sometimes you, don't, you don't even want to think about the record. That's kind of how it, how it goes. Um, Can I, it's quick, actually, quick shout-out while you're looking that up. Mm-hmm. Good friend Verlinda Henning. Do you know Verlinda? She was on Jeopardy. I do not. Grizzlies are three and ten. I three and wanted ten. to make sure I didn't say three and eleven. We're not there yet. So a shout out to Verlinda. She was on Jeopardy about a year ago, and then yesterday a new episode aired. I think it's like a tournament of champions things where mm-hmm. they bring them right. back and just. Verlinda's a big Memphis Tiger supporter, a great friend, does a lot of philanthropy in the community, and just wanted to uh, congratulate her. I wanted to be there for the showing, but I had to work with a player. But I was there in spirit, so. Good, good. Well, we've got uh, two news bulletins here to share. Breaking news and this, actually, this morning. Yeah, you would be breaking this, but we're recording and you're, we're going to release this later on. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I was told something in confidence. We're recording it before it is actually uh, dropping. This news is dropping, so we're, we're not going to release the podcast until after it's, it's public. Cause I, I, I wouldn't. Is this a Pranica bomb, like a Woj bomb? No, no, no. And I, well, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, it won't be a bomb because I'm not, I'm not leaking it before it's officially announced. But technically, we're recording it before it's announced, so that's pretty cool. It, Can we get some? We, we, like, we, like, we like to think so. Well, and, 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 but the, the real bomb is, is coming up, but I, there's one before that. And this we have to uh, we have to give credit to Jeff Calkins. Did you see in, t- in today's Daily Memphian? I have not. Fred Smith of FedEx is throwing fifty million dollars at the renovations of Liberty Bowl Stadium. Wow! So the hope is that when he throws that in, then it kind of greases the skids. And the Grizzlies, Jason Wexler, uh, and if you read Jeff Calkins this morning in the Daily Memphian, you ought to be a subscriber. It's an outstanding newspaper, and Jeff is not only a friend but an outstanding columnist. Uh, Jeff included there. There was a statement from Jason Wexler, the Grizzlies' president of business operations, that the Grizzlies are go for it, so that there was no objection, so that we can move forward with everything. Now, of course, there's still a gap in, in the FedEx form funding, but you know, some way, shape, or form, hopefully they can figure that out. But 50 million going to Simmons Bank Stadium. I still call it the Liberty Bowl. So that'll be 50 million that they won't have to use from the state funds that the Grizzlies and maybe the soccer stadium can? Uh, it, it's, it's going to make things a lot easier. Um, I, it's not like the state funds to uh, Simmons Bank Stadium is going to go away, but there was a gap in the funding, and they were, hey, we can't get this deal done, so we can't start on the renovations. Well, now the $50 million, I think, will get that, get that project moving. And the Grizzlies have said, Go for it. You've, you know, you've got that money. We'll work out our end of it, but we have no objection to, to this gift or, or anything like that, which, you know, and obviously Fred Smith and FedEx named the building, which was a big reason why the Grizzlies ended up in Memphis in the first place. So uh, thanks to Fred Smith for doing that, and, and hopefully this will be great things for the city of Memphis overall. Um, here's the news. Memphis 901 FC. 
There are some departures, which were announced yesterday. Uh, some guys are coming back. They're working with Leston Paul on extending his contract. Um, there are going to be some departures, most notably uh, Aaron Malloy is no longer under contract. Um, but they do bring back Emerson Heinemann with MLS experience and experience working with manager Stephen Glass in Atlanta. Um, hate to see that Aiden McFadden's loan from Atlanta United has ended. Uh, but the kid has MLS talent, so he wasn't going to stay in USL Championship forever. But the big news is striker Kyle Murphy is returning to Memphis wow. after two years with FC Miami. And for those of you uh, who don't remember, three years ago, Kyle Murphy set the single-season scoring record at the time of 21 goals in 31 matches for Memphis 901 FC. Uh I talked to Caleb Patterson Sewell, the uh, assistant sporting director, who right now is working on signing, and we're seeing all the comings and goings in USL. Uh, and also Samuel uh, Cariaga is uh, is holding over as well, and I thought he was fantastic last year. So, um, but Caleb told me he said I, he said, look, I, you know, last year's team was really really good. He said we believe that we will even put a more talented team on the pitch this year. That's great. And their training camp is going to open in mid January. Um, Where do they train in Memphis? They, they, yeah, they, they do train in Memphis. Um, I saw a lot of fans yesterday. They had a release, and they were really applauding FC on their transparency. Yeah, yeah. Which you're seeing now that with, with, with USL Championship Soccer, a lot of teams were saying so-and-so you know, is being signed, but 901 FC said these players are no longer under contract. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that, that they're gone, gone, but it didn't indicate that they were trying to negotiate deals with them. Yeah, let's say so, uh, and there there will be other signings to come. But really, the the Kyle Murphy piece, and 901 FC has been teasing it on social media for the last 24 hours that there was a big announcement coming, and so uh, that is the big announcement. If you didn't get it there, you're going to get it here. Kyle Murphy returns to Memphis, and that 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 is a massive massive signing for 901 FC. Uh, they had periods where they were banging the back of the net all the time, and then there were games where they really really struggled to score, and I think they really missed. That one guy mm-hmm. that uh, that could be a, a bona fide contender for the Golden Boot and Kyle Murphy certainly is I'll that. I'll miss Aaron. Great guy. Yep, absolutely. Above and beyond his soccer playing abilities. Exactly. And and he's another guy who has MLS-level talent. Without a doubt. So wherever he ends up, whether it's somewhere else in USL Championship or ends up in MLS, he's going to end up in MLS someday because he, he's, he's a fantastic person and a fantastic player. Um, you got some recommendations? Yeah. There's actually a really good podcast called Meditative Story. Have you ever heard of this? That I've not heard. It's really good. So they have these famous or well-known people or artists tell a story that's related to mindfulness. And then it's played to sort of a soundtrack of really soothing music. Mm -hmm. And then a meditation teacher comes on and gives prompts for different sort of meditative techniques. Okay. It's really worth checking out. I've been listening to it off and on for a couple of years, recently got back into it, highly recommend it. Okay, good deal. Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast, and a particular podcast, um, because we're running up to Thanksgiving, and, and you and I have both talked about gratitude uh, in a number of ways. Have you ever heard of the Art of Manliness podcast? I have. Okay, Brett McKay. I was giving a friend a hard time for listening to that. But it, it's, I, it's, was it's, that my own ignorance? That's that. 
I don't want to say it's your own ignorance. Thank you. I see you stammering there. It's always bad to insult your, your podcast partner. Well, Art of Manliness, it sounds like it's going to be like one of these macho, macho. And, and there are some things, you know, like how to start a, how to start a campfire, you know. With, Alpha male, sort of. There is some of that. But Brett McKay is very, very widely read. And he will put out book lists of really, really good books. And like he did a, an interview with, I think, General Eisenhower's granddaughter who wrote a book about him, and it was fascinating. And he has really, really amazing guests, and he does have a, a, an email that comes out, and the email hit my inbox today, and I really wanted to share this, and I've, I've not listened to the podcast yet, but podcast number four, 945, The Japanese Practice That Can Give More Meaning to an American Holiday. And Brett McKay writes, a focus on gratitude is typical this time of year, but more often than not, the cognitive or behavioral nods we give gratitude around Thanksgiving can feel a little limp, note, limp, rote, and unedifying. If you feel like this, American holiday has been lacking in meaning. Maybe what you need is to infuse it with a Japanese practice. The Nikon, Nikan method of self-reflection grew out of Buddhist spirituality and has been recognized by psychologists as a way to develop greater self-awareness, gratitude, empathy, and direction. It involves asking yourself three questions. What have I received from others? What have I given others? And what troubles and difficulties have I caused others? And so the, the thesis of this podcast, or the core of this podcast, Greg Kretsch, the executive director of the To Do Institute, which promotes principles of psychology based on Eastern traditions, has created a Thanksgiving-specific version of Nikan that helps practitioners dig further into its first question, which is, what have I received from others, and so that's Art of, Man Art of Manliness podcast with Brett McKay. Uh, go to the website and uh, artofmanliness.com, and you can find the podcast. I'm really eager to uh, to dive into that and see what uh, what they have to say. About I like the sound gratitude. of that. That's really cool. Yeah, different yeah. Different spin on gratitude. Exactly, exactly. And in that same mode. Now, do you know Do you know Sandy Adams? Have you met Sandy Adams? I we have emailed, and she's going to speak for us at Lausanne next semester. And uh, I keep up. I've listened to her podcast before. She's outstanding. Yeah, she, she really is. Well, uh, yeah, I had a chance to meet with her once, and I noticed, because uh, I follow her on Instagram, and she's on all the social media channels. But Sandy Adams is, and it is the gift-giving season. Uh, she is now offering gratitude journals. I saw that. How cool is yeah, that? Yeah, that's very, very cool. So go to her Instagram uh, page. Her Instagram handle is official Sandy Adams, and it's official S A N D Y A D A M S. Uh, I Sandy keeps you know uh, putting likes every time we post a podcast. She's so I, really nice. So I assume yeah, I assume she's listening. Her. Yeah, we appreciate and, and her. And likewise for her fifth quarter podcast. Yeah, her fifth yeah. quarter podcast is is excellent and uh, really, really enjoy that. So, you know, if you're looking for a good gift and you want to get somebody something that's really, really meaningful, gratitude journals that and no better place to get them than from Sandy Adams. And we've talked about the science of gratitude quite a bit here. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's the season now where we become a little more reflective on that. And uh, I, I couldn't think of a better holiday gift. Yeah, so so go for it. Go to Instagram and uh, track down official Sandy Adams and uh, start giving out those gratitude journals. All right, your turn for grievances. Because I need quick. to catch you my breath because I'm going to be, I'm gonna be long. Spot there. Uh -oh. I think it's interesting. We live in this age of information now. As you're getting on your phone, I'm saying that to look up something, I think, probably. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm scamming you for that. I'm mm -hmm. just, but we also live in the age where a lot of people play that out to where it's a zero sum game mm -hmm. mindset. Yeah. And you've talked about this before. It's not just about 
I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to destroy you if you have a different opinion. It's interesting how many people really have that mindset now. It's rare to hear someone say, I don't know, or I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Those two phrases. And whenever you do hear someone say that, which the times these days are few and far between, you really have respect for that person. Mm -hmm. The only way that we can really learn is to admit that we don't know something. Right. Or to admit that we were wrong on something. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because people are lambasted for being wishy-washy when they do that. But really, it's showing that they have a nimble thought process and uh, a growth mindset when they can say, you know what, I don't know, I was wrong. And it shows an eagerness to learn right. and to evolve as a human being. Yeah, and you're right. So much of our world right now is zero sum. And I always, I, I laugh with, with bitter irony that the United States Senate is considered or had been considered the world's greatest deliberative body. It does no deliberating. It's just, I'm right, you're wrong, and we're just going to vote along party lines and to hell with you if you're not. And, it, and it's such a grievance how split apart this country seems to be on both sides of the political spectrum. It's almost a horseshoe effect is what Holly, my wife, says. Mm -hmm. Some bend so far to the left or so far to the right, they become what they detest the most. I want to think that most of us are sort of centrist. Like we have a common sense, central approach on most things, but it seems like the extremes are really glorified on media and social mm -hmm. media. And I, I would like to think that's not the majority of the population. So my grievances are people who always think they're right and don't admit when they're wrong when they're wrong and they refuse to to grow emotionally and intellectually yeah because when you think of scientists and researchers you let the data lead you to a conclusion and and i'm, I'm remembering a, a, a conversation um that came from the daily stoic podcast with ryan holiday another amazing podcast that you should listen to and he was talking to a physicist and the physicist said, sometimes I sit down and I set out to prove something that I'm convinced is absolutely right. And I dig into the data and I dig and I dig and I dig and I dig, trying to support my original belief and contention. And he says, I'm 180 degrees off. Oh, yeah. And he loves being wrong yeah. because he's learning and he's moving towards his goal of discovering what the empirical truth is. As right. A scientist. Yeah. Truth. Truth is undervalued today. Uh, opinion is is everything. Well, what was the, that saying a few years ago? The spokesperson for the White House, I forget her name, and I probably have it subconsciously blocked from my memory for a reason. Parallel truths. Alternative facts. Alternative facts. Yeah. Kind of like, it's like, no, the, no, no. It's just word vomit. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Exactly. So it's interesting. I was watching the U.S. national soccer team play last night. Here's a prime example. I don't know if you saw any of that. Mm. Serginio Dest, right, one of our fullbacks, is upset at a call. So he takes the ball like an eight-year-old child would, and he punts it out of bounds. So immediately – the referee gives him a yellow card. Then he starts yelling at the ref. He gets a red card. One of the most unprofessional red cards I've ever seen in soccer. If you're going to get a red card, make it count. Yeah, right? yeah. Take someone out. Yeah. Do something yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, red for dissent is uh, so, that's lame. So then all the fans are on X. I mean, including me. I said, this is a really dumb red card. Mm -hmm. But I kind of left it at that. Others are like, he should never play for the U.S. again. One of the best defenders that we have. This is a guy that's played at Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Is he perfect? No. Is this, Does his temperament and his mindset need some work? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's that zero-sum game. 
I would say 99% were like, forget this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, you know, it's 23 maybe? Yeah. So it's, it's all about if, but see, so you played soccer, you coach soccer. A lot of these people, you know, they barely know if a soccer ball is blown up or stuffed yeah. sometimes. I mean, we've all done stupid stuff. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we all have. And especially I think, at that age. Especially at that age. And, and there's an opportunity to come, to come back. Like, look, I'm sure he cooled down. He's probably like, oh, he's already God, sent I was an, I was an idiot. Yeah. yeah. He, he sent an apology on Instagram. The interesting thing, Pete, is he left his comments open. Good for him. Yeah. Not that he necessarily has Better to not read them, right? But um, I just, it's, it's just a... That's kind of a trivial or a trite example, but um, a recent one for me. Yeah. So. All right. My grievance, this is a big one. Carissa Thompson, sideline reporter for oh, Fox. I thought of you when I saw Studio that. host yeah. of uh, Thursday Night Football on Amazon. Very pretty, though. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, admitted on a podcast that she, in her words – made up sideline reports because typically what happens a sideline reporter at an NFL game they they track down the coach either going into the locker room or cutting coming out of the locker room or maybe maybe one of each and sometimes it will be an on-camera interview sometimes it will just be a chat and you know you can write some notes down and then so before they start the third quarter the play-by-play announcer can say Chris let's go down to you you talk to Mike Thompson what did he have to say and she admitted that she had made up, and on at least one occasion, she had made up, and again, those are her words, I made up a sideline report. Her rationalization was... Just wa- one? Or well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if it was one occasion... Not that it matters. Not that it matters, because she, her rationalization was, well, maybe the coach was late coming out, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him, or I was rushed for time, and I didn't want to mess up the report. So she would presume what the coach would have told her if they actually had spoken. So she said, well, you know, if, if the team was 0 for 7 on third down, I would say, well, the coach told me they need to be better on third down. And if they had a lot of turnovers, well, we need to, you know, we need to quit turning the ball over or need to be better in the red zone. So she would look at the first half based on her analysis, and she, she would say, this is what the coach said. And she said, you know, I, I said this publicly years ago, and I didn't get fired, so I'm going to say it again. What a – that's – And – it, you know, it, it just bothers me on so many levels because all of us who do live sports or are in the media, our credibility is all we have. And to admit this publicly, to flaunt it on a podcast, basically, like, ha, 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 this was so cool, I got away with one, is just, is just beyond the pale. And is it arrogance or stupidity? I don't, I'm not too familiar with her. Uh, I, don't, I don't know her. I've never met her. Uh, it's, it, you could unpack this in several different ways. One, it's egregious to do it to begin with. But two, to have the audacity to say on a public platform that you did it. I just, that's what's mind-blowing. That, that is, that is mind-blowing. And a lot of her colleagues just really, really took her to task on social media, and rightly so. The history of, of the sideline reporter, particularly the female sideline reporter, and m- many of them are. Now, not all of them are. Peter Schrager, I think, is with CBS, and I think he, obviously, he, he's a guy. Rob Fisher on our broadcast, obviously male. Uh, Dante Marchetti in Orlando also is a sideline reporter for the Orlando Magic. So many of them are female, and they were introduced basically to introduce a third voice down on the down on the field to 
give us some information that you cannot see from the booth. Was it a, and, and part of it, part of it was, part of it was, they were attractive. Yeah, is it almost like the Fox News thing, pretty putting the pretty blondes on the daily newscast, right? One of those. I think. Type I think. Things. Yeah. I mean, I, what guy doesn't like? Yeah, I don't football, I, beer, and pretty women on the. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, sideline reporter, female sideline reporters. I think really. And my maybe my chronology is way off, but it was in the era where the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were like the biggest yeah. thing in America. Yeah. And so so you had Leslie Visser on the sideline. Leslie Visser was an award winning journalist and they put her on the sideline. And now for young women, this is a way to break into the business. But a lot of them have come through good journalism yeah. programs, whether it's Syracuse or Northwestern or Kansas uh, or Georgia, Missouri. They, they, or Missouri, they've, they've come through these programs, and they all called her to task about this, because when you are a sideline reporter, and particularly in the, in the NFL, the way the workflow goes, typically on Friday or Saturday, the whole broadcast crew is going to meet with the head coach, the offensive, defense coordinators, and one or two players. The sideline reporter is in that meeting. So they have FaceTime with the coach then. And I understand sometimes halftime ends, Coach is pissed off, runs to the locker room, blows off the interview, blows off talking to the reporter, whatever it is. Well, then you know what? You have to go back and report to your producer, hey, Mike Tomlin was really, really pissed off. He said, I'm sorry, I'm too mad to talk right now. Forgive me. I got to get to the locker room. You report, Mike Tomlin was really upset about that first half for the Steelers and, and, and did not want to chat about it. Okay, there's a little bit of a story there. Mm -hmm. You're reporting a fact. He was unhappy. He didn't want to talk to me. He's got to go talk to his team. There's something there rather than say, well, I'm going to think what Mike Tomlin might have said, and I'm going to pass that off like I talked to Mike Tomlin, which clearly you did not. It's like um, saying you cheated on your ACT or something. It's terrible. Yeah. And especially for all the females trying to get credibility in a sports uh, profession that's male-dominated. Right. Exactly. And that's the point that all these sideline reporters were making on social media, like, do you not realize what you have done to our profession? You have now thrown us all under the microscope and has made our profession, have made our contribution to live sports broadcast. You have really called it into question. Of course, I had one knucklehead on, on, on Twitter who said, well, nobody on a side, no sideline reporter has ever pro provided anything of value. Like, oh, come oh, on. Wow. You know, it's like a couple, I mean, games, couple games ago. The Grizz he, may, he may have. Sort of a point sometimes, but not. It's another some game. Well, well, well. Two points on that. Number one, a couple games ago, Grizzlies are playing poorly, and thankfully, the Grizzlies let Fish listen into our huddles, and Taylor really lit into the guys. And Fish came back and he said, "I said, so Fish, you were in that last huddle. What was going on?" And he said, "Taylor Jenkins really lit into the guys. He said, aren't you guys sick and tired of watching them get offensive rebounds? Aren't you sick and tired of them shooting threes?'" And it's like, okay, he brought us news from what was happening in the huddle that Brevin and I, who are sitting 100 feet away, can't do. The other piece of this is the irony: the night that, or the you know, the week that all this broke, the next time that Carissa Thompson was hosting Thursday Night Football on Amazon. And Amazon basically said, hey, it happened 15 years ago. It didn't happen on our air, so we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to make her available to talk about it. Carissa Thompson did put out an apology saying, well, it was a poor choice of words to say that I made stuff up. No, it wasn't a poor choice of words. It was the correct choice of words. You made stuff up. Alternative truth again. Yeah, you, you, you rationalized it, you know, and, and, and you, you, you fabricated what you thought the coach would have said and passed it off as being real. In any event... That night, Kaylee Hartung, who's, a rel who's relatively new to the national stage, 
turned in a masterclass of reporting of things on the sideline above and beyond. So-and-so has a wrist injury. I think it was, it was a Bengals game, you know, talked about uh, the emotions on the field, talked about the coach looking disgusted or the coach looking very disappointed that Joe Burrow had sprained his wrist and, or hurt his wrist and now he's done for the season. She turned in a masterclass on how you really do it with observation. And I, I, but yeah, the whole Carissa Thompson thing just really, really bothers me because as, as I said before, in this business, your credibility is all you have. And if you lose that, then you're really screwed. Because Brevin and I and Fish know that we are invited guests into people's living rooms 80 plus times a year. They depend on us to inform, to entertain, and to be accurate. And if we can't be that, then we're not gonna be invited back into their living rooms and, and we're not doing our jobs. So, uh, there's also probably the best and most eloquent contribution to the commentary after this is from David Aldridge, who, by the way, is an award-winning journalist and was a sideline reporter for TNT on NBA broadcasts and, in fact, hosted the um, MLK Symposium before uh, he left TNT, and, and, and now I do it. But fantastic guy, great journalist, uh, Northwestern Medill School of Journalism graduate, and he had an article in The Athletic, which was absolutely fantastic, outlining all the problems with what Carissa Thompson did. So long-winded grievance. Thanks for bearing with me. Uh, I'm ready to turn it back to you so you can give us give us a mindful moment as we head into Thanksgiving. I'm going to be try to be more positive than I was last week. I got a little feedback from a couple of ladies who go to my weekly meditation course at Crosstown. And they listen to the podcast? Or? They do. They're good All friends. right. So Lenny and Bonnie, but basically, and I love them to death, they said it in a really nice way, like the old Native American parable, are you feeding the good wolf or the negative? Wolf, mm, right? Yeah. So I think last week I fed the negative, the bad wolf, don't you think? A little bit. A little bit. But I felt it was cathartic, mm -hmm. therapeutic. So along those lines, a little bit with Thanksgiving coming up, you know who Ram Das was, yeah. of course. Mm -hmm. Famous spiritual leader, kind of a, he was a contemporary of Timothy O'Leary back at Harvard. He got thrown out for doing experiments with psychedelics, but he was really big into the, I would say the original big mindfulness movement in the 1970s mm -hmm. here in America. Um, so he has this wonderful saying that I like to, I just posted on my Slow Your Roll Facebook Page, which, by the way, I don't know if you've checked it out, has about 28,000 mm -hmm. active followers. We may need to plug this. We need to plug that, yeah. We also need to plug that. your upcoming book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I knew that was coming. So I just posted it today, and I uh, a great quote from him, and I subtitled it with, Have a Great Thanksgiving Week. So what he said is, everyone thinks they're enlightened until they go home for a week. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how we love our families more than anything in the world, but they know how to push our buttons. Sure. They know where our emotional triggers are. So as we head into Thanksgiving and really the holiday season in general, something to be mindful about is we don't have to step back in those roles every time we go home or we, ha or we break bread with our families, our loved ones. It seems like no matter how old we are, we're always seen as that 12-year-old 
right? Right, sitting at the card table yeah. in the other room. Yeah, yeah they did this or, or did that. So one of the things is in advance, just think about your emotional triggers and how they play out in that family dynamic mm -hmm. and be prepared for it. Right. You're always going to have that uncle that posts terrible things on Facebook, the one that you can't stand, or there's always going to be maybe that little sibling rivalry with your brother or sister, or your mom might be too doting or too critical or whatever it is. But these are the people that love you more than anyone in the world. And just know that their intentions are in the right place. And having a family that's not perfect, like most all of us do, is better than not having a family. Yeah. So I think it's something to, to keep in mind. It, yeah, it is really important. The, the, you, you're, sometimes you'd all, almost like to take the Norman Rock, Rockwell uh, painting of Thanksgiving and just like throw it in the trash. Do you, you know? remember the old Saturday Night Live skit, The Dysfunctional Family Christmas? If not, I want you to go back okay. on YouTube when you have, when you're flying or doing something, when you have a minute and look at it. Yeah, it is hilarious. But that's the norm in America. Yeah, dysfunction is is the norm. Right, right. Well, and it's why we've had, I believe, the increase in friendsgiving. Yeah, you know where yeah, you yeah, where yeah. you where you choose yeah. your own tribe, and, and yeah. it, it's it's probably much more fun and festive. But it, it you it, can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. Right, right. But I think no, you you make an excellent point and. Um, I don't know in which book it was because I've read several by Pima Chodron and she talks about the word Shenpa. Shenpa are the things that hook you and you always, you have to know where, where, the, where those hooks are that once you, if you bite that hook oh, yeah. and then you're going to start feeding that, that bad wolf. And it's on a subconscious level, typically with our families, our, our mental, emotional conditioning, whatever you want to call it, whatever nomenclature you want to use we act in a subconscious level because these are learned patterns of behavior. We know how to push each other's buttons. Yeah. And I have the best family in the world. I, I think most people would say that hopefully, but it's just something to be cognizant about just knowing your triggers. It's like what I tell the basketball players that I work with. What are your emotional triggers when you're playing? What sets you off? Think about that before you play and how are you going to counter that when it happens not to get stuck in it mm -hmm. subconsciously where you don't realize what's going on and then there's a downward spiral and it affects your performance. Yeah, it's, it's also a form of mental jujitsu where you're using your attacker's strength against them or you're basically just doing a really good job of they're coming at you and you avoid it. And so, you know, like I know you're, you know... Um, you're going to tell me that I did this thing wrong, you know, and you're holding this grudge for several years. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. When it, when it, when it comes out, it's like, okay, I'm going to step to the side. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Just, just, it's, just, and not, not take the bait. And not it's, engage. Yeah, because if you, if you engage, then now you're going to end up in an argument, and, you know, it, it's, it's not going to end well because, because now our society is all about these zero-sum games. I'm right and you're wrong. So don't take the bait because if you take the bait, you're going to get into an argument, and if – they hit you with with whatever you know your hot button normally would be. You know your hot button is there. Like, I'm not going to take the bait because otherwise this is going to like really really mess up the day. And you know what? The turkey's actually tasting pretty good this year. Mom did a good job. And yeah, it's hard to do. It is very families, hard to do. Families are complex social systems, and we have these learned patterns of behavior, and so much of it is we don't even think about it, and we continue to play these roles over and over and over. Years ago, there's a psychologist, a, a famous gentleman, I forget his first name, but it was Bradshaw, and he wrote a book called 
Bradshaw on the family. It was about family dynamics. There was a PBS special or specials also that he did. And it talked about how, if you think about it, even in a real stereotypical, simplistic manner, the oldest child is the golden child, typically can do no wrong. The middle child is the scapegoat, mm-hmm. but typically the middle child also speaks the truth yeah. that most of the time it's not appreciated by the other family members. I'm not saying that because I was that. <laughs> and then the youngest child typically is the baby. Mm-hmm. And they, we all get kind of stuck into that. So that, there, are, there, there, are those, there are those various roles. Part of the issue is, too, we spend more time with our families more than anyone else especially when we're younger, obviously, mm-hmm. growing up. So we know each other inside and out, and there are certain things. You spend any amount of time with someone, there are going to be things that get on your nerves. Mm-hmm. So know what those triggers are, to your point. Know how to dodge and do the mental jujitsu, and uh, you'll be better off. Yeah, and you realize, the bait. Yeah, and you realize, okay, this is, this, is, this is my sister, brother, father, mother, uncle. This is who they are. I'm not going to change them. I just accept them for the for who they are. I may disagree with them on some core issues, but I disagree with other people that are not in my family on, on certain core issues. We so. have certain high expectations for our family members because we love them so much, and they they're unrealistic. None of us can live up to them, so we're gonna miss them when they're gone. Yeah, you you, you don't want to get into that trap. Is oh, they could be so much better if they did. Yeah. Dot dot dot. Because we all could be right. We so. all we all we all could be a lot better. Um. Okay. What's coming up? Um. Well, going to Houston uh, today, a Wednesday night game at the Houston Rockets, fly back. Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, the NBA goes dark, the NFL goes extra large, and then uh, Black Friday at 4 o'clock. The, uh, Is net- that still a thing? Black Friday. It, well, well judging, judging by my email inbox, it most definitely is. But you're uh, more, you're like me. You're more of an online. Oh, guy, yeah. I'm not, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to go. Yeah. No, I don't go I, to stores. Oh, no. No, very, very, very rarely. I know uh, people, you know, in, in my past, they were like, we're going to, they go Thanksgiving night. Oh, you know, be, Best worst. Buy's opening up and, you know, we got to get in line for our 75-inch TV or something they'll, like and that. And there'll and be I, the video, the viral videos of people fighting over whatever the new Teddy Ruxpin yeah, is. Yeah, or Elmo. I'm showing my age. Yeah, Elmo, whatever it is. <laughs> Cabbage Patch Dolls, are they still a thing? Uh, that- you know, actually, I think they may be, they may be coming back. Really? That, that's, yeah, we're, we're boomeranging all this, uh, all this stuff right now. Um, yeah, and, and the 4 o'clock game against Phoenix will be the last in-season tournament game for the Grizzlies because they've been eliminated from the knockout rounds already as, at 0-3, but it'll be your last chance to see that really cool uh, gray floor. And, uh, yeah, Amazon dot, dot com, or Amazon Prime is now showing a Black Friday NFL game, which has never happened before. Really? Interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to try that out. Um, as far as Black Friday is concerned, here's how I do Christmas, okay, because I'm unmarried. I don't have a family. I have one sister in Minnesota. She never married, so I have no kids, no grandkids, no nieces, no nephews, nothing. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, so Christmas shopping for me is super easy, and – you don't have the opportunity to give a lot of gifts, so therefore you don't have the opportunity to get a lot of gifts. So it's a good trade-off. It's I take it. It's well, it's a it's a good trade-off because what I can do is I'm already getting solicitations for Black Friday deals and things that I wouldn't buy for myself during the course of the year that maybe now are on sale. I just gift myself. So that's that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, so Holly and I have no kids, but we have a ton of nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. 
It gets expensive. So you got you, 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 you got a long yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm gonna again the time to sort out the sort out the Christmas decor because I'm gonna be gone like most of the month of, of December. So I've got to figure out when I can put my tree up and and go through decorations and all that. I don't want to be the guy putting it up the day after Thanksgiving, but I may have to because we are the Grizzlies are gone almost all of December. You've got to get it up before New Year's Eve, though, right? That, isn't that the deal? You, you don't want the tree out past New Year's. No. Or is that just Holly making me get it out? Is that what that is? Everybody has a different tack on it. When my mom, you know, because we were raised in a, in a very Catholic family, her tradition was she would always keep it up to the Feast of the Epiphany or the Three Kings, which is like six or seven days um, into the new year. And that was always our tradition. But then again, because we always had a live tree, we didn't put it up till like the 22nd of December, wow. which now yeah. is, is phenomenally yeah. late. I remember going and, and looking for a live Christmas tree December the 15th about five years ago, and, and you know there was like nothing left but the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I don't like seeing Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving, though. I think it does a disservice. Yeah, I, I, I agree, because really the, the tradition of having a tree and, and lighting it or just lighting things in general is as you get toward the winter solstice when it was basically to illuminate the dark, and the dark is it's still going to keep coming for for a little while longer. So, so that's what I got going on. What do you what do you got going on? I for, have for absolutely nothing this week. Um, it's probably why you're wearing just a hoodie today. Well, and top you're golf. off. Oh, top you're going golf. to Top Golf? Yeah. Uh, we'll go to my brother's for Thanksgiving. My brother Michael's, which will be very nice. Get to see the family, and we're just going to chill out. A lot of house showings. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think people looking this time of year must be serious. That's my right fingers one, crossed. One, so. one would hope so. Yeah, Thanksgiving's gonna be really quiet around here, but that's perfectly fine with me. Picked out a few things that I wanna that I wanna cook. I'm not I'm not a turkey guy, so I got I got some ham, and then I have this killer baked potato casserole. Oh wow! That I'm gonna make for myself, and then I'm just gonna watch gonna watch a lot of football and take it easy because then again we got a, we got a game on Friday, so there's really not a whole lot of not a whole lot of time You're to gonna watch Coach Primetime. What did we say about him, my friend, months ago? Months ago. He was a fraud uh, as a coach. I, no? Was that not the word? I, you, you probably used the word fraud. I was, I was, I was waiting to see. Um, You're a little more eloquent with your diction, but yes. Well, the other, thing, the other thing, too, is that I've noticed that the national media has kind of shied away from calling him Coach Prime. See, that's a grievance as well. We could talk about that maybe next week. Well, but we did, we did they, talk about that yeah, in, but, in the moment. But I mean, yeah. how they built him up. Yeah. It's like... Come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, honestly, it was a good story. Yeah. And then they started losing. And then you looked at some of their tactical decisions. Like there was a, there was a game, what was it, against Oregon State. They had the ball deep in their own territory. Oregon State had like all of its timeouts. And rather than just like run the ball and run the clock out because there was nowhere for them to go, they started throwing the ball, incomplete passes, clock stops, have to punt it away. Oregon State comes down and scores. To his credit – the sideline reporter, whoever whoever they were, and this is that this is quality sideline reporting. Not fabrication. Not fabrication. Coach Sanders, can you talk me through why your play calls at the end of the first half? And he said, "I blew it." I love it. It's like, okay, cool. You know, so I, I'll give him credit for that. I I don't I don't think he's a bad coach. I think so much happened coming right out of the shoot that the expectations were probably. The expectations for Colorado were way so low. They exceeded expectations in the first four weeks, and then all of a sudden the schedule gets, like, really real. And um, You think he'll hang around? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, because there was some thought that 
the UC, well, now Chip Kelly and UCLA beat USC. So maybe Chip Kelly saves his job. Maybe. How about Lincoln Riley and USC, man? That program's just like, woo. They yeah. went, they went, they, and yeah, they, they went way down the drain. Anyway, there was some thought that UCLA may be available. And, and somebody had, had said this in a, in a talk show, and I think there's some validity to it. It's like, if you're Deion Sanders, don't go to a school where basketball is bigger than football. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, or wait. What was I saying? Yeah. You want you you want to go to a school where basketball is bigger than football. Yeah, Will Wade, my buddy, did that at LSU where football is bigger yeah. than basketball. Yeah. It worked well for five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because right now at Colorado, football is going to be is always going to be the bigger story. Now, if you go somewhere where basketball is king, then you can kind of fly under the radar a little bit. But Deion Sanders in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. It's that would be a lot. It would, yeah. It would, and it also, I think, it would, and, and I don't, I don't know how college athletes feel about coaches moving on from time to time. It almost strikes me as a bit of carpet bagging. Yeah. You know, hey, I was here, good situation, turned the program around, but it pro- he turned the program around because he transferred all of his kids in. Well, now, yeah, kids can you can flip a college basketball roster or I guess a football roster in one off season. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is transient now. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's. Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, it's but not, don't say it's your calling and then leave, right? To be somewhere. That's the. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, will there be other offers? Will there be other opportunities? I'm sure that the an athletic director is looking for a coach. I'm sure he's going to put a call in. I I would hate to see. I would hate to I let Deion Sanders do his work in Colorado. I would like to see him stay somewhere and see if he can really develop a program at the Division One level over a number of years. My guess is he probably can. And I think that he's he probably made some mistakes, some mistakes with assistant coaches and, and some other tactical things, but he's going to learn from it. I, he's a really, really sharp guy. I think he has the potential that he could be a really, really good coach. Certainly he can motivate the kids, he can reach the kids, and if there's anything that I've learned in this business is that a head coach must be, above all, a great communicator. You can hire assistants to do the tactics, but if you can't communicate to your kids yeah, he's or your players great, as a head he's coach. He's a great communicator. Yeah. He is that. We're really both great communicators, too. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think that's a, that's why we have all these downloads. And I know. That's why that's that, that's a good way to wrap up we this We should pod. do some merch, some swag, and sell it on the, like a picture of us, two grumpy old men type thing. What do you think? You think anybody would actually buy that? I don't know. Let's, let's let the listeners decide. All right. Pull, both, pull. both of them. Poll question, question, should there be live a little merchandise? Okay, that's the poll question, and we will leave you with that. He's Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness coach. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. We thank you so much for listening to Live a Little. This has been our crazy little podcast about everything and nothing, episode 15, coming to you from the World Galactic Headquarters of Pranica Media in East Memphis. We don't have an engineer, we don't have a technician, we don't have an editor, we don't have a producer. We do it all ourselves and we do it for you. We hope that you enjoyed it. You can download us, rate, review, always helpful to us at iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So Greg Graber, happy Thanksgiving to you. You too. All righty. Thank you.